Please stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. Today's scripture is from the gospel according to Matthew, beginning with chapter 14 and 22nd verse. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, today's gospel that Dave just read to us, it contains uh, so many themes and motifs that it's actually hard to know where to begin. Uh, our lesson does pick up, maybe I should say this, it does pick up immediately following the feeding of the 5,000, the loaves and fishes, which Brad preached on last week. And right after this great miracle, this great high moment for the disciples, hear what Matthew says next. He says, then immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat where they would experience not the consolation of the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, but instead they would experience this desolation, this great peril. And notice, please, how Matthew almost suggests that Jesus deliberately sent the disciples into this tempest, this storm. Now, this actually uh, brings up a theme that I don't think I have ever touched on in any sermon I have ever preached before, but it brings up a theme that nevertheless you bump up against it throughout the Bible, and it is this theme of testing, of God putting God's people to the test through various trials and the hardships of life. And by testing, I do not mean like tempting. Like God never tempts us to do something evil. But there is this theme throughout the scriptures of God testing God's people. And God tests us not so that we, uh, that, no, excuse me, God tests us not the, that God will find out what we're made of, so God will see what we're made of, but God tests us in so many ways so that we will see what we're made of. And there's nothing in this life that really reveals our true character, the stuff that we're made of, Quite like our experiences, going through the difficulties and the hardships of life. And God tests us. God tested Abraham. God tested Moses. 
God tested Jesus. I mean, this, this experience of testing, it is there. Uh, Catherine of Siena, one of my favorite theologians of the Middle Ages, uh, she put it like this. She said, virtue cannot be proved except by its contrary. Virtue cannot be proved except by its contrary. What she means by this is that God calls all of us, God's people, to be a people of virtue. We're to be a people of self-control, discipline, patience, all the virtues. And yet the virtues in the Christian life, they are like the muscles of the body. They grow best with some resistance training, some weight that you've got to push against. I mean, think about it. What really reveals the greatness of a basketball team, especially a championship team, is not when the team is up 20 points, but when the team is down 20 points with about five minutes left on the clock, see? I mean, we are called to be a people of virtue who can control our anger, meekness, temperance. And yet, the only way you and I can learn to control our anger is to go through situations that provoke it. We are called to be a people of patience, this steadfastness, this slow, steady endurance. And yet, the only way we can become slow and steady in our endurance is to go through periods that really try our patience. Uh, One of my favorite saints, my hero, Therese of Lisieux, she said this. She says that all of us know that God calls us to grow in the virtue of love. That's the big virtue, the virtue of love. And then she says, and to help us accomplish that end, to grow in love, the Lord sends to us, into our lives, very annoying people (laughs) so that we have to learn to love them. It's very easy to love people who you get along with, but ah, you got to be a little bit of weight pushed against you to love people those who uh, drive you crazy a little bit. I mean, think about this, and I'll move on. Think about this period that we're in now, this pandemic. I mean, could it be, could it be that this is a kind of test for us? I mean, we're getting frustrated, we're, t- we're tired of the closures, and we, we, we just want, we want things to yield to our demand and our way. And yet, maybe we got to learn through this period of time that life does not buckle. It does not bend necessarily to what we want. And we got to learn to trust God's timing and trust that there's going to be some virtue in the church to come out of this. I mean, I'm already seeing this. I mean, we're seeing people who are hungering for the Lord, longing to be back in in the space of worship. That's good. That's good. We got to trust in God's timing through this period. Nevertheless, God does test us. Virtue cannot grow. It is not proved except according to its contrary. So then Jesus launches the disciples into the storm. And then Matthew says what in our lesson? In the early hours of the morning, so the disciples had been uh, tossed uh, by the ways of this storm what, all night long. And then here at the very last minute, after all night of tossing, they see Jesus. And he comes walking on the sea and he says to them, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now I could actually spend a whole sermon just on this point. I do want to point this out, even though I won't give it any justice. The actual Greek language that Matthew has Jesus saying here, what Jesus actually says is, take heart, it is I 
am. Ego a me. It is I am. I am. Remember, that is the very name God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. So right here, Jesus is saying to the disciples, take heart, I am is here. The very God of Israel, the God of Moses. And the reason I want to point this out before I move on is that there's this mythology that says that, you know, only in in John's gospel is Jesus really divine. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, oh, Jesus is just a great figure. He's more human than anything else. No. If we pay attention even to the gospels other than John, Jesus is very much divine in his nature. So nevertheless, Peter sees Jesus walking on the sea, and then Peter says, Lord, if it's you command me to come to you on these waters. And I just love this moment because it demonstrates that Peter, for all of his flaws, and we're going to get to that, Peter at least had some courage. You know, speaking of virtues, one of the great cardinal virtues of the Christian life, It's actually described as a gift of the Holy Spirit given to all of us who follow Jesus is the virtue of fortitude. Fortitude. What is fortitude? Fortitude is this courage. It is this dogged determination to pursue the will of God no matter what obstacles might stand in the way. Peter here is exhibiting this fortitude, this courage, to get to Jesus no matter the obstacles. You know, the Lord calls us. You know, the Lord even says, we are to do great things. Greater things than me shall you do, Jesus said to his disciples. But if we want to do great things for God, it always requires fortitude, this courage, this dogged determination to pursue the will of God. I remember uh, years ago, long before I ever thought I would be doing this uh, for a living, um, I was even, gosh, I wasn't even discerning a call to ministry. I remember I heard a Baptist preacher, and he preached on this sermon. I found out later that he probably stole it from other sermons. Maybe you've heard this before, but I remember he preached this sermon on this passage, and he says, he says, brothers and sisters, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. And I love that. I think it actually became the title of a book. Anyway, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. And that's true. God calls us to do these great things. But if you don't get out of the boat, if you don't stretch yourself, step up, step out, you'll never experience the great things that God has called you to do that require some fortitude. And it doesn't mean that we have to do these, you know, huge feats, you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound. I mean, you can start with small things. I mean, for instance, I mean, if you're listening to me this morning and and say you don't really pray every day, well, then I would say to you, get out, get off the boat Make a decision today. I'm going to pray 10 minutes every day. Get off the boat. Maybe you pray 10 or 15 minutes every day. Pray 30. Get off your boat. Stretch yourself. And we're going to have some uh, small groups actually open up in the next few Sundays. We want you to pay attention to that. And, And maybe you've never really been a part of a small group before. You've thought about it. You've never done it. I would say get off the boat. 
Stretch yourself. Do something. There's somebody in your life. And you've been thinking about that person. I need to reconcile with that person. I need to connect with that person. Get off the boat. Step up. Step out. Do something great for God. I mean, the Scripture says that God has given all of us a share in the very Holy Spirit, the very power of God. And if we want to do great things and tap into this power, we've got to get off the boat. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get off the boat. Nevertheless, Peter, he, he steps off the boat, and we know what happens to him, and we tend to pick on Peter for what happens. He's headed for greatness. And then what happens to Peter? Well, he becomes realistic. He begins to assess his own skills, his own talents. He begins reading the papers. He reads the financial reports. He studies the science. And then he recognizes that, hey, you know, human beings, we can't walk on water. This is impossible. And it is then he begins to sink. What did he do? Like you and me, he began to look into his own strength and into his own resources, thinking he needed to do it himself, and that is when he began to sink. You know, every time you and I look within ourselves to accomplish something great, especially for God, we will only and always only see the headwinds. But I'll say this. Peter's failure here, his beginning to sink, it nevertheless became a gift for him. Because it induced him in the end at least to cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. That's the only prayer we ultimately need to pray. Lord, save me. Jesus never turns down anyone who cries out to him, Lord, save me. He reached out to Peter, took him by the hand, and he will reach out to you, to me, and took him by the hand, and take you by the hand. Lord, save me. My brothers and sisters, whoever's watching today, if you're going through a difficulty or a hardship in your life, it feels like the boat of your life is being tossed to and fro. Let me just say to you, the Lord is working something out for your good to help you grow in virtue. If you're someone who's been complacent a little bit, you've been too comfortable on your boat, I want to admonish you. Get off the boat. Do something different. Do something different for God. Take a risk for Christ. And although it may be early in the morning before Jesus will show up, what seems like at the last minute, Jesus always appears at the right time. He's never failed us yet. 